Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. John McCauley of the band Deer Tick is one of my favorite frontmen, songwriters, rock and rollers, a great human being, complicated guy weird guy. I don't think he would argue with that assessment. <laughs> He's the truth behind the cliche, still waters run deep. Though to call John McCauley still waters is a bit like calling a tornado a gust of wind. He is, when he gets on stage at least, a tornado. He's crazy as a front man, which I love about him. He's like Lux Interior. He's like, you know, um, Paul Westerberg on a good night. He's one of those front men where you imagine that he was born to do this thing. He was born to stand on a stage, command an audience, channel divinity, divine providence, to insert one of their album titles into this introduction. He's great. And I don't think he does a ton of the press for the band. I think Ian, who's also fantastic, is uh, saddled with doing most of the face man talking work. And um, John, when you get him going, you realize there's a lot there. And I think he gets going pretty well during the course of this interview. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I know I did. It was good to reconnect with an old friend, and it was really great to get to pick the brain of an artist whom I admire as much as I do, John McCauley from Deer Tick. Welcome to Wheels Off, John McCauley. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty great, Red Miller. Nice to see you. <laughs> um, I won't repeat, you know, uh, I'll tell our audience we had to do a restart for technical issues, but John and I did have a, a lengthy discussion about our gold teeth. John, you just got a second gold tooth. I did last year. Yeah. It looks it looks so good. It's Thank so you. sparkly. Yeah. You're, like, <laughs> you're like a pirate skull waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to make a note in my will that uh, my skull should be preserved. Um, and decorated with an eye patch and a bandana and all that. Uh, for the edification of the listening public, from from where are you logging in? Uh, I'm in uh, Rhode Island at my house in the guest room. And oh, nice! That's probably where you belong at least half the time. <laughs> and how long only, ago? Did, only when I snore. How long ago did y'all move back from Nashville? Uh, it's been a few years. Um, that first COVID summer. Uh, we spent up here on the beach and by the end of the summer, we just, we didn't want to go back, you know? 
Well, it's probably nice to be so close to the bandmates too. Yeah, and, and bandmates, family, family, all that. You know, we were kind of, um, you know, during lockdown, we we were. Uh, it was just the three of us. You know, my wife and my daughter, and uh, it was it was shitty. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet came up here, escaped the uh, the heat, and spent the summer on the beach. And um, we just looked at each other, Vanessa and I, and said, "We're not going back, are we?" You know, yeah, legit. So that's that. And um, and you've got a whole setup to record there too, right? Sounds like. Yeah, there's a there's a carriage house behind the house, and we just uh, converted it into a studio. And um, yeah, it's great. We can do everything. It's like our clubhouse now. We can record there. We can rehearse. We just did the whole uh, production day there for the tour. Um, it's just it's a really great asset to have in the band um i should know this i feel like is that where you made the new record no uh we went out to dave fridman's studio oh. in um where's it casadega new york middle of nowhere uh tarbox road studios god now he what a producer i've, I've always wanted to work with him was it super fun yeah it's really easy going um you know he's not too he's not too precious about about things you know you just we just got in there and you know played everything together and you know if it felt good then that's the, that's the take move on you know um and it's been in the can for a while now we uh we finished mixing it about nine months ago yeah something so is that yeah. lag is that lag time weird for you you know i always think about that when when you're waiting for a thing and like are you do you have any other projects that you've started working on since then are you stressed out at all uh I, it's a little this is the first record release tour that we're going on since uh you know in many years and there's been a whole fucking global pandemic in the in the middle of that time so it's it's kind of it's a little nerve-wracking getting back out there really want to do this new album uh you know do it justice and play the songs really well and play them like we've known them forever um so i i'm putting a lot of pressure on myself but uh i think we're getting pretty good results uh we did the first show of the tour last night up in uh deerfield mass and um yeah I, I thought it went really well and uh excited to get a few more under our belts and um we're gonna be out all summer and all fall but yeah to answer your question i think typically like you know when we would be putting out a record every year or two um yeah i hated that lag time but this time around it felt more like something we could work with you know we really rehearsed our asses off, which is unlike us in, uh, in so many ways. But <laughs> um, did you have, I see, I'm, I'm about to go in the studio, so this is on my brain. The listeners will have to put up with me um, picking your brain a little bit about this. Did you have a ton of songs for the record and then you had to make an A-list from that? Was there a lot of negotiating down from whittling down lists, arguing about songs? How'd that oh, go? Yeah. We were over-prepared. We had like, 
we had I think 20 songs or so um but we kind of we knew we kind of wanted to make a punchy record you know not too many songs or if they if it was a lot of songs we didn't want a ridiculous runtime you know yeah um I think that was very uh that was something we always wanted to do when we first started was you know fill up every possible second of a compact disc but those days are over you know people if they're going to buy it physically it's usually going to be vinyl so we wanted to make sure it fit on one lp and um yeah there were a lot of discussions some hurt feelings some all that <laughs> all that stuff but we had to uh we had to find the the songs in there that that fit together well and uh and did each other um you know i guess uh the uh the fuck am i trying to say sorry i got home at like three in the morning last night <laughs> i i know i can't believe they scheduled you this the morning after the first show of the tour well You're thank doing... you for accommodating me and, and doing it at one in the afternoon so. you're doing great though for what it's worth um yeah man believe me i know all about all of that the sort of negotiation and compromise and um diplomacy that goes into keeping everyone happy how long deer tick now how long has deer tick been existing and how long has this current lineup been together uh, i started the band in 2004 mm -hmm. so it's uh almost 20 years yeah we're getting up there um let's see ian is the newest member and he joined in 2009 i think so yeah. you know it's been a while yeah, it's funny to think of him as the newest member, but I guess that was 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> He's so great. Yeah, man, I'm well, you you know I'm actually a giant fan of you and the band and I'm just so excited. I really am hoping I can get out to one of these gigs on on the tour because, you know, Deer Tick Live is is such a fucking experience. Thank I, you. I've never um asked you much about how like the beginnings of it for you and if you wouldn't mind go back um in time and was there an epiphany moment for you as a kid where you knew you were going to do this was there a moment where you knew that like all square jobs and straight life was you know not an option for you and that you were going to be a rock and roller do you remember that happening in your brain yeah I, I never really uh weighed my options you know I I think I don't know, some of my earliest memories is watching the fucking La Bamba movie. You know, I want, <laughs> I wanted that skyrocket to success. <laughs> I wanted to rock and roll for a living and uh, hopefully not die in a plane crash. But, uh, you know, it made it this far. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, nothing nothing else really interested me as i got older as, as far as uh you know things that i could do with my life i just wanted to play music and write songs and um you know I, i'm very fortunate uh lucky I, I figured a little something out for myself uh i did almost go to trade school for uh violin making and repair in Boston, but uh, wow, they did not. Um, 
Well, I say almost, but I didn't get accepted to the program. But if I did, that's what I was going to go into. But I don't know how long that would have lasted. I probably would have ended up in this chair talking to you over Zoom today anyway. <laughs> was that pre-Deer Tick? Yeah, that was around the time Deer Tick started, yeah. Wow. It's so funny sometimes to think about those alternate lives that we, did, we didn't choose. Yeah. Uh, Rhode Islanders, uh, many of us, be like, but you know, I would never live in Boston, you know. So I, just, <laughs> I can't believe I considered that. No offense to Boston. My dad's from Boston. I love Boston, but you know, Providence <laughs> is a little different pace. I recently I recently read a great Don Winslow book about uh, mafia in Providence. I forget mm -hmm. what it, I forget what it was called, but I kind of had never really thought of Providence as its own sort of mafia uh, hot spot, you know. And oh, they, yeah. of course they had big bosses up in Boston that they had to deal with, but the Providence mob was uh, its own weird, violent thing. Yeah, for many years, uh, the entire New England mafia was run out of. Providence out of the Federal Hill neighborhood. Um, you know, there's there's a pretty seedy underbelly. Uh or there was. I mean it's it's cleaned up quite a bit. But um if you you know, well this is a podcast, so uh there's a podcast out there, Crime Town. The first yeah. season is about Providence and kind of the uh relationship the mayor's office had with uh with La Cosa Nostra and uh it's it's pretty fascinating and I kind of grew up uh you know I've seen these <laughs> seen these dudes around when I was a kid uh it's pretty funny and there was a large Irish component to it as well in in the book apparently yeah in in Boston Boston was a big Irish mob town um, yeah. not so sure about Providence I think it was more uh italian territory yeah. anyway this is all beside the point but it's fascinating to me and no it's, it's good it's like I, I i've written songs about this shit. like it's really uh it, it informed a lot in me yeah i could see that i could see that there's there's a sort of um a scary like um i don't know i i feel like you're you as a songwriter you keep your id like your kind of animal side it's always kind of in there somewhere I, and i feel like it's what makes you it's what sets you apart as a songwriter i, I feel like there, it's not super precious it's this really kind of um i don't know a very visceral way that you approach i don't know if it's just sonic or maybe your choice of def certainly your delivery but uh would you agree with that do you feel like an animal dressed as a human <laughs> In, in the earlier days, absolutely. Yeah. I think I feel a little bit more human nowadays, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's fun. I, like, I definitely used to write songs a little, a little differently, um, just a little bit more free form, a little more stream of consciousness, lyric stuff. And, uh, I've, I've taken to, really trying to carefully craft them now uh because i don't know i'm changing i'm older I'm, I'm a different guy and uh yeah i 
No, no, I mean, I mean, Hank Williams is kind of like the, the gold standard for a songwriter and he's able to say so much with so, so few words. I mean, Tom Petty could do it, you know, uh, Springsteen figured it out on Born in the USA big time. <laughs> that's kind of, that's where I want to end up someday. Like be able to paint an entire picture in your mind with 10 or 12 words. Yeah. God, I love that. I just was talking about um, Zach from The Lone Bellow about this and the idea of when you're young, feeling like you have to write from tragedy or perceived tragedy, or in my case, you know, poor life choices and drunkenness. And then as you get older, you start looking around going, Jesus, what am I going to write about now? I mean, I'm a dad yeah. with kids and some success. and But you're, I think you're more tuned into what's going on in the world. And yeah. uh, there's plenty of awful shit out there to still write about. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's not all doom and gloom with me. Nope. I think I got I got a couple almost they're almost regular love songs on the <laughs> record. <laughs> and I do think we get better, right? Would you agree as artists, you know, because we've done it more and more over the years, we get better? I I think so. I mean, I know that I know that there are fans of ours that are really attached to earlier records and no matter what we do in their minds it can't it won't live up to it <laughs> but um i think anybody kind of coming in who who didn't know us before i think could look at our entire body of work and and uh really see the the growth there and um i don't know i think our newest record is if not the best it's up there you know um I don't know. I think just a lot of uh, Tirtik is always either in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and we were in the right place for this record, for sure. I wonder, I mean, because I, I was growing up, I certainly did that to bands where I would, you know, argue that only their early records, whatever. I wonder if that has more to do with the audience finding you at that impressionable age and those records imprinting themselves and seeming on you know unapproachable by your later stuff like it's not about us it's about yeah. them yeah it could be i mean um it took me a while to figure out that the last two replacements records were actually really great records you know <laughs> <laughs> um so i feel like as much as sometimes i feel like you're stage persona um, might make it seem otherwise. I feel like you're a, a pretty sensitive guy. And uh, and I only say that just because you're such, I feel like you're such a great front man and you don't seem like you would ever have any, I don't know, of the sort of internally generated stuff that keeps us from achieving what we should artistically or being happy or like the, the internally generated obstacles that everybody I've talked to so far deals with, whether it's success, guilt, or imposter syndrome, or just freaking anxiety or whatever. I wonder when you come up against those things, what have you figured out as a way to get through that? Oh, gosh. Uh, 
I mean, but well, my stage per persona helps, <laughs> you know, work some shit out on stage. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I, I really have a, a plan there. I just, uh, I, I take things one day at a time. But I think, um, I think you're right. I, I probably am a lot more sensitive and and an introvert and shy and uh not a very sociable dude when i'm off stage like it's there's a, a switch gets flipped when i go up there you know um but yeah i really i i really i keep to myself a lot <laughs> and uh yeah I guess writing writing songs helps. Um, I don't know. I've I've tried more conventional approaches to uh, these things like depression and you know doing too many drugs. And all that. Uh, it's not it's not for me. I, I do things my way, you know, uh, and I'm better off than than I have been in decades, you know? <laughs> That's great. I mean, I'm not going to say I was ever worried about you, but it's great to hear anybody say that they're better off than they've been. And you seem great, man. And the record is so good. I'm really, I'm really proud of you. And I'm so glad to see that you guys are still doing it. 20, 20 year anniversary next year. That's a whole reason for touring for all of 24. Yeah, man, we got to figure out what we're going to do. I had, I had an idea where we do a big, like theater show in Providence and we kind of bring in all the past members and, and past uh, versions of the band and kind of do a retrospective performance, like a long two and a half hour show or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good idea. I don't know. Be great. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you're never afraid to try big weird stuff no not at all i mean <laughs> it's uh i don't know i like i like variety um yeah i like variety and uh yeah there was a time where like all i wanted to do was kind of just grab people from different bands and put them together and like, see what we could do. Uh, I, you know, with Metal Brother and then Diamond Rugs. And then I was trying to get a band together with Tommy Stinson and Marshall Crenshaw. That almost happened. Uh, I'm kind of sad it didn't, but. I mean, that could still happen. They're both it could, yeah. still around. That would be a, those are some ornery, crazy characters. But yeah, yeah, you included. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Oh my god, what would that band be called? I don't know. I think uh, I don't know. I think you'd have to get us in a room and and, and kind of uh, take it from there. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, I wonder if you would be willing to try and dispense um a little di or distill maybe even the wisdom you've been sharing like imagine a 21 year old john mccauley in today's world 
Well, what advice might you give this young you? Uh, all right, the distillation process is going to be. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Um, maybe. Uh, no, what, what does a, a carpenter say? You know, measure twice, drill once. Or whatever <laughs> maybe if i could uh yeah figure out a, uh, something uh something along those lines but maybe with like the bad contracts i signed or something <laughs> oh really read it, read it twice sign once I don't know. oh interesting <laughs> no, I, you... uh we i don't know we were very naive i think uh but it, it would have been nice, I guess, to talk to my older self just to uh, give some reassurance that, uh, you know, things are going to turn out all right. Things are definitely a lot better and a lot different than uh, than at, at some points I, I imagined it would be, you know. Were you afraid it was that it wasn't going well? Did you feel a lot of anxiety about it, younger you? I was just so fucked up by the, by my, uh, the end of my 20s that... Uh, I didn't really, I kind of, the tank was empty, you know, I just felt like uh, I could drop dead at any moment. <laughs> it, it was like, you know, I just thought one night I'm going to go to sleep and I'm not going to wake up. I felt like my body was just, uh, was just going to give up. What, and, cha uh, what changed that? I mean, meeting Vanessa was, was a huge change in my life. Um, that was the first time I, you know, stopped drinking uh, for more than 12 hours, you know, in uh, many, many years. Um, and yeah, just, she gave me a new appreciation for, for life in general, mine and other people's. It's funny when I've, when I've been able to be around you um, and watch you, even just beyond sort of frontman rock and roll, you um, watch you make music. I don't know that people really appreciate how gifted you are, like as an instrumentalist and just as uh, like someone who I don't even know if I would call it music theory because I don't know that you've studied it, but the way you are able to um, to build like architectural structures of music, I feel like is something that people may or may not appreciate about you. My question is, is it something that you realize or take pride in? Like, are you able to sort of think of yourself as someone that's got a, like a real unique, extraordinary talent? Well, thank you. That's very flattering of you to say um, and recognize. <laughs> um, that's another thing where that kind of developed as I got a little older. I wanted to, um, I just wanted to be a better musician. Um, you know, I love the way Kurt Cobain plays the guitar as much as I love the way Danny Gatton plays the guitar. And, uh, you know, and one is technically way more proficient than the other, but they both do things that the other guy can't. Um, and I think I relied heavily on this kind of 
I don't need to know what I'm doing kind of attitude for a while. And then I, I got kind of bored with it. And, um, you know, I would, I would think it was really funny, like to fuck up a guitar solo, you know, I mean, it is, it's hilarious, but <laughs> you know, after a while that kind of wears off and you're starting to think like, I mean, what are all these people watching me thinking? You know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I started, uh, you know, I bought some guitar books and stuff and this is like in my thirties, like just, uh, trying to understand more about music and figure out new pathways through it and, uh, exercise my fingers a little bit more and just gain a deeper knowledge and understanding of what I do. And of course I have a lot of bad habits from my punk rock attitude years. Uh, and I'm not going to work too hard to get rid of them because it kind of, it, it, it makes, it makes me sound like me. Um, but yeah, I'm still really fascinated by music. I think all the guys in Dear Tick are, and we're all still trying to learn and grow. And, uh, you know, anything could happen next, you know, creatively. That's, that's kind of our, how, that's our, our MO nowadays. Man, I feel and I feel like that's really your calling card is that every one of your records is wildly different and every one of your records shows you shows a band pushing the envelope. So I just, you know, I think that's a big part of why I'm such a, a fan. And I'm so grateful that you sat down to share some of this wisdom. And I really appreciate you waking up after your first night of the tour. Well, it's, it's all right, man. I woke up at eleven thirty. It's been a couple hours. I had a couple of coffees. I'm good. <laughs> Oh man! Well, listen. Uh, tell Vanessa I said hi. I, I hope, will. I hope our paths cross soon. I really want to see this tour, and um, man, I just think the world of you. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I love you, Red. Thank you, you for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also. As the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.